We are in this series, All In. If you got your message notes, I want to invite you to pull those out. We're talking about what would it look like in 2024 if we went all in? All in. Like, like didn't hold anything back, but dove into the deep end and went all in with God. Not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly. We call it around here the one-year challenge. Give us a year of your life. Run the game plan as we prescribe it. Do everything. Like, like run, go through the entire system, the entire journey. Know God, live in freedom, discover a purpose, make a difference. And if your life isn't radically different at the end of the year, then I'll leave the church with you because we don't know what we're doing. But here's, here's what I've discovered. Every person that's ever taken us up on the one-year challenge, it doesn't take a year. They come back months later and say, my life is radically different radically different by going through this journey. And so let me ask you the question, what would your marriage look like at the end of 2024 if you went all in? What would your parenting look like? What would your family dynamic be? What would your emotional health be like if you went all in in 2024? Jesus tells a story that we looked at last week. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. That treasure is the life we're inviting you into. It is the kingdom life. It is the all-in life. Jesus is inviting you to, to get hold of this treasure, and a man found it. And he went and sold everything he had to buy the field because the treasure that he found was far more valuable than everything else he had. And all I can tell you is it's worth it. When you, when you buy in to this treasure, it changes everything, and it's worth it. And he went away with great joy. And so today we're going to talk about an all-in area that is absolute must if you're going to survive this journey. Because the truth is there are many people who get very, very on fire for God and they go all in, but for something happens and, and something pulls them out of the game, this is critical if you're going to stay in the game, if you're going to stay on that journey. And it's an area you may not really think about as an all-in area of your life, but Without a doubt, it's one of the most important areas of our life. And I titled it with the mess. I, I, I used it as the title of the message. And so here it is. To go all in, you need to have authentic, honest, honest, life-changing relationships with people in the body of Christ. You got to have people who are going to be honest with you. You got to have people who are going to be authentic with you. You need, you need life changers around you. People that are catalysts to throw you forward in everything God has for you. And this is not an option. And if I could be very honest, when I talk to pastors all over America, the hardest thing collectively that I think every pastor deals with is convincing their people to get in a relationship, to get into small groups, to get in a community, because we've got this American idea of individualism, self-made man or self-made woman, where I don't need anybody. I, I'm just going to sit in the building once a week, and that's all I need, but I don't need to dive into relationships. And honestly, the reason it's such a struggle and fight is because Satan knows the power of what happens when you connect relationally with other believers. Satan would rather you just attend church than get connected to a church. And again, that's what we have today is a lot of church attenders, but not a lot of church connectors. Because he knows the power of what's going to happen when you connect. We collapse without meaningful relationships. The wisest and the wealthiest person to ever lived, King Solomon. Here's what he said in Ecclesiastes 4. There was a man all alone. And that's the epidemic right now. 
See, we think during 2020 the epidemic was a disease. It wasn't a disease, it was loneliness. In Japan alone, there were more deaths by suicide in the month of October in Japan during 2020 than deaths by COVID in the entire year combined. Loneliness was the epidemic. We have a term right now in our culture, crowded loneliness. We're surrounded by people all day long. And yet, for many of us, we feel like there's not one person we can trust. Not one person we can talk to. If your marriage is struggling, you don't have one person you can go to, one, one person you can share what's happening in your family because you don't trust, you, you, you feel all alone. You're isolated. And he had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. So he was successful, he made money. He achieved a lot, but he was all alone. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? That, that's interesting, because we think money equals happiness. Well, right here it tells you, no, money doesn't equal happiness. Relationships bring you into happiness. He was wealthy. He was successful, and he had no enjoyment in his life because he had nobody to share the success with, nobody he trusted. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone. How many of you, uh, I'm a child of the 80s, so I grew up watching A-Team. How many remember Mr. T? A pity the poor fool. <laughs> That's not at all what this is saying, but every time I read this verse, I, I hear Mr. T's voice in my head. I pity anyone who falls. No one to pick him up. Anyway, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're, you're way too young. He goes, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm and alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You know what's better than two? A cord of three. Three strands is not quickly broken, which means your marriage is not enough, by the way. This verse means your marriage is not your small group. Like, you need more than your marriage because there's going to be days you and your husband fight or you and your, your wife fight. Like, you, you need three, not two. There, there needs to be other people in your life besides simply your spouse. And your, your children are not supposed to be your emotional support animals. Say law. You can think about that later. <laughs> Look, we are a church of groups. That's where we meet. You know, when I was in college studying to be a doctor years ago, we had lectures where we got very valuable information, and it was inspiring, and it was motivating, but we also needed a laboratory to go and cut things up and, and get our hands dirty and actually work through stuff to figure it out, and the same is true in the body of Christ. This is a place that inspires you to take action, but this is not the place where you take action. That's the small group. That's where you live out the one another's, the, the New Testament fellowship. So we've got to get better at connecting as a body of Christ. You know, again, growing up in the 80s, there was, there was one of my other favorite TV shows, which I have no idea why in the world my parents would allow an eight-year-old to watch this show because it was all about a group of people who hung out at a bar every day. Like, eight-year-olds have no business watching a show about a bar. But remember the show Cheers? Wasn't that the greatest theme song for those of you that remember? Some of you, again, are too young and have no idea what I'm talking about. But it was the greatest theme song ever. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. I mean, no, that's true. Taking a break from all your worries 
Sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All right, now help me out. Sometimes you want to go. And there. You want to be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to be where. I mean, honestly, that should be the theme song for the church, not a bar. That should be the song we play at the beginning of every small group meeting. A place where everybody knows your name. It's what we should look like. And look, this is, this is really important if you come from a broken home. This is really important if you've been divorced and, and, and you're alone and you don't have family right now. Let me tell you the truth. You have family. You have a spiritual family. You have a family that will love you and that will care about you and that will embrace you and that will bring you in and walk with you through life. They're not a perfect family, by the way. There's going to be times where you go through challenges and heartache, but they're going to walk with you, and we're going to get it together. And we work hard as a church to help you understand that this is good for you. This is what all-in Christianity looks like. So for the last 13 years, we've been committed to small groups as a church. And let me help you understand small groups. Small groups are not a meeting. They have a meeting. My family is not a dinner. My family has dinner. We get together every Friday night for dinner. That's not my family. That's a dinner. My small group is not a meeting that I go to once a week. My small group is my New Testament fellowship. It's my New Testament community. It's the people that I do life with. Now, we have a meeting every week because it's important for the family to get together for dinner, but it's bigger than simply that small group meeting. And so our heart and desire is not that you go to a meeting once a week, but that you find a family, you find a community where everybody knows your name, a tribe of people that you do life with, that you vacation with and hike with and barbecue with and go on play dates with and hang out at the beach together. That's why one of my favorite collection of small groups in our church is, is the young families. We have all these young families that get together at their house. And it's beautiful chaos. You get four or five families and they all got three or four kids and you got like 20 kids in a home and it's this chaotic, you know, beautiful mess of a small group and, and they bond together and they do life together and they love one another and they care for one another. And, and it grows way beyond simply a meeting and a dinner once a week, but it becomes the, the people that if somebody gets put in the hospital, you've got this, this army of people rallying around your family helping with the kids, bringing food. It's beautiful. If you like to meet with men, we've got men's groups and we've got women's groups. If, 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 that's, if that's what you, I just want to be around some brothers in my life that'll encourage me or some women in my life that'll walk me through this, this season. We've got an incredible collection of groups for men and women. One of the best is Wednesday night. We've got about 60, 70 guys that get together and 80, 90 women that get together every Wednesday night during the small group semester. And they, they, they meet together and then they break up into small groups and really do that life together. We've had surf groups. We've had people that say, look, I love to surf. And so you know, I'm, I'm going to go to the beach every Monday at this time, and I'm going to invite a bunch of surfers, and they meet on the beach, and they share scripture and begin to pray for one another for a couple minutes, and then they head out to the waves and, and just enjoy each other. We have groups that have gone hiking. They just meet together and hike together, and we have financial stewardship groups that have met before that, that help each other become better with their money and get out of debt, and groups on prayer and groups on marriage. It's about getting together. 
One of the most powerful groups that we do once a year every spring, and if you've never done this, let me just be very honest with you. My desire as your pastor is that everybody in our church does this group at least one time in your coastline journey, and it's our freedom group. It's one of the most powerful things that we offer as a church, because what freedom is designed to do is, is to peel off all of the religion that, that, that we, have, we have placed on Christianity, to kind of unwind it, to show you what Jesus originally meant all of this to be before we mess it up. How I many know we mess it up sometimes? Like, like we took something beautiful like Christianity and we made it religious and we made it hard and we made it difficult. And we, we made it something other than what Jesus meant it to be. And so the journey of freedom is to kind of unravel all of that. And so if you don't know what to do this semester, I highly encourage you to join a freedom group. Talk to the team today. There's only a limited number of slots, so be selfish and go get one for yourself because it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. And here's why we're passionate about this. Real life change happens in the context of relationships. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Everything we are, good and bad, is a product of the community we surround ourselves with. It's our relationships. It's the people who speak into us. It's our atmosphere. Sundays are not enough for you. Sundays may be an incredible catalyst to take a next step, but that next step is community. It's, it's relationship. There was a general in the Marine Corps that was, that was speaking, and, and I heard the podcast about it, or, or book, or some audio thing I was listening to this week, and the general was talking about his men, the Marines, and, and their life. And one of the things he was saying, and if you're a Marine at Coastline, he was talking about you, but I, I think Coastline Marines are a little bit different than the Marines he was talking about. Because he said, for most Marines, they hit their peak in life while they're in active duty service. Like, they will never in their life be as physically fit, mentally fit, outstanding, excellent in, every, in, in their appearance, in their dress, in their attitude, in their performance, as they are as active duty Marines. Like that, that's the pinnacle of their life. That, that's the peak of their life. They'll never be at that level of excellence again in their life. And so the interviewer asked the general, why do you think that is? Because what the general was saying is after they get out of the Marine Corps, their standards slip. Their physical fitness standards begin to slide. Their mental fitness begins to slide. Just the attitude of excellence and, and just that outstanding appearance and, and, and everything about them just begins to slide. He says it's because we create an environment in the Marine Corps where we surround them with the right people and all the people that are around them are thinking with excellence, are living with excellence, have this outstanding standard of mental fitness and physical fitness and discipline and service. And so it's the community around them that breeds this, this peak performance in their life. And after they get out of the Marine Corps, they don't hang out with people who has the same level of mental fitness, who has the same standard of physical fitness, has the same standard of, of grooming and excellence in every area of their life. And I realize how true is that for our spiritual journey? Your spiritual journey is a reflection of the people you surround yourself with. And you might be thinking today, well, I'm not in a small group. Yeah, look at the people you work with and look at your spiritual life. It's starting to make sense. You're not where you want to be spiritually because you have intentionally surrounded yourself 
with people who have the standard of faith that, that you, you desire, you're just not getting there. Because right. you're around all these people at work every day, they don't have any standard of faith or spirituality or, or Christianity or the gospel. They're just living their life. And that's the only people in your world that you spend time with on a regular basis. It's shaping your spirit. That's why we've got to be intentional about small groups. We've got to be intentional about getting around believers every single week that encourage us and challenge us and help shape us. Romans 12, verse 5, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. If you are a believer here today, do you realize you belong to each other? Like, I belong to you, you belong to me. We belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. I need you. You need me. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Just tell somebody, I need you. Like, we need each other. I just made some of your marriages better. <laughs> you haven't heard that from your spouse in years. <laughs> we need each other. You mean, well, I don't need anyone. Yeah, but somebody needs you. And, and honestly, you do need people. And let me show you why you need people. It, it's called the Johari window. It's the four areas of our personality, and this reveals to us why we need each other. The first area of personality in your notes is, is in the Johari window. It's what's called the arena. The arena is I know and you know. It's the public me. Like you can see it. I can see it. It's what I show you. It's, it's what I present. It's what, what, what comes off. It's just the arena. It's the public version of you. That's pretty simple. We all get that. Let me show you the, the important ones we need to understand today. The second one is the mask. The mask. The mask is, I know, but you don't know. In other words, I got some secrets that I'm not telling you. There's some areas of my life that I don't want you to see. Because I think if you see these areas of my life, you may not like me. If you knew the truth about this, you may reject me. I, I may get abandoned or, or betrayed or hurt if I allow you to see beyond the mask. And unfortunately, this is where most people's religious experience lives. And, and honestly, it's why we don't see real growth. You cannot grow spiritually when you have a mask on. You can only become what God has called you to become when you take the mask off. Jesus dealt with this. Dealing with the Pharisees in Matthew 23, he says everything they do is for people to see. It's all a mask. They make their phylacteries wide. Now, that's a big word. Phylactery is this small wooden box. If you've ever been to Israel with us, you, you, you see them. Uh, the very religious Jews, they, they turn them into headbands. They put the Old Testament law on little pieces of paper. They put it in this, this small wooden box, and, and then they strap it to their head, and they wear it around so it's very, very visible so everybody can see. This big wooden box sitting on your forehead, walking around town, and you see it all over Israel. And Jesus is saying, like, you do it for show. That's your mass. You want everyone to know that you are a, a devout Jew, that you are very religious, that, that, that you love God. It's a show. It's a mask. Verse 27, he says, woe to you, not because he's angry at him, because he's heartbroken, because he knows this is, this is the worst thing for them. He says, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of dead bones and everything unclean. Isn't that a picture of North County? Don't we look so beautiful on the outside? 
Like drive down the streets. Everything is so beautiful on the outside. Yet inside, we've got marriages that are falling apart. People living in severe depression and anxiety. People stressed because they don't know how they're going to get out of debt or pay the bills that they have now. Worried about their children. Children struggling with drugs and pornography. Everything looks beautiful on the outside. You know, on the inside, it's just full of dead bones. Let me be honest with you today as your pastor. You don't need to tell everybody your secrets, but you need to tell somebody your secrets. And here's why. I'm always stay as sick as my secrets. I'll always be as sick as my secrets. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, we refuse to wear masks and play games. I'm not wearing a mask. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. When you begin to get honest, it's your first step to freedom. When you take the mask off, that's your first step into what God has for you. But why don't we? Why don't we take our mask off? Why is it so hard for us? Well, the truth is it's because you did and you got hurt. You took it off before. And you let somebody in and you shared what was going on and they hurt you with it. They stabbed you in the back. They betrayed you. They didn't hold your heart with care. And so now you're at a place where it's like, I'm just not, not going to do that again. I'm just, I'm, I'll, I'll live with this mask because I'm not going to put myself at risk to get hurt again. I heard a wise sage tell me this week, if the greatest hurt comes from community, then the greatest healing comes from community. And that wise sage is sitting on the front row right now, my dear friend, Pastor Mark Wymore. But we were talking about this this week, and I'll be very honest with you. The greatest hurts you ever experience are from the people closest to you, are from the people you've led into the inner circle. That's the greatest hurt you've ever felt. The people who are supposed to care for you and supposed to love you hurt you. But can I tell you, healing also comes from community. You'll never be healed on your own. You'll never be healed in isolation. You'll be healed from people. And if I could be very honest, the hurt in my life the greatest hurts, the greatest pains that I've ever been through, every single time, have been through Christians. I can't even name one non-Christian who really hurt me, but I can, I can go through lists of people who love God and were sincere about their love for God who hurt me. And some of it was that my fault or my causing things I did wrong, but it hurt. It hurt. But can I tell you, for every Christian that hurt me, there were hundreds who loved me. There were so many more that cared for me, that loved me, that were there for me, that supported me through my mistakes, through my weaknesses. Don't give up on the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not perfect. You'll get hurt from time to time. But don't give up on the body of Christ. And here's why we need each other. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Look, you confess your sin to God for forgiveness. God is faithful and just to forgive you, but it's not God's job to stop you from doing it again. It's when we get honest with the right people in our life that we find healing and we find freedom. In my journey, I cried out to God for years over my struggles. God, take it away. Let me stop doing it. Nothing. He forgave me. Every step of the way, he forgave me, but it wasn't until I got honest with the right people that it finally worked. 
I love this quote from C.S. Lewis, and, and it, it's funny because we hear this in our small groups all the time. This is like one of the phrases you hear usually around week two or three in our small groups all the time. C.S. Lewis says, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, this is taking the mask off, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. <laughs> Do you know how often we hear that in our small groups? See, so many of us, we go to the small groups and we think we're the only one. Like, no one has ever dealt with this problem before. And if I share it, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to look down on me. They're going to think something's wrong with me. And then all of a sudden, you get the courage to take the mask off and you realize you're not the only one. We're all going through something. Let me, let's go to number three. This is also just as important as number two. We, got, we, we need people in our life to help take the mask off for. But number three, we need people because of blind spots. We all have blind spots. Like, I don't know, but you know. Like, you can see it clearly, and it's oblivious to me. Like, lettuce in your teeth at a nice dinner. I mean, you're sitting there at dinner, and you got this big piece of green lettuce hanging on the teeth, and you're talking away, laughing away, and everybody can see it but you. That's when you need a friend to lean over and say, hey, man, you've got some lettuce in your teeth. That's why you need people in your life. Remember, remember the American Idol auditions? That was like my favorite part. All these people, I did, and they were the worst singers you've ever heard, right? Like they were so bad and they had so much confidence and they were so terrible at singing. And when you watch the auditions on America Idol, what you learned was not that they couldn't sing. What you learned is they didn't have any friends. <laughs> they had no one in their life to say, I don't know if this is what you were meant for. Proverbs 27 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of the friend. I've had some friends wound me, some faithful friends wound me, and it hurt. It was embarrassing at times. I remember sitting at dinner with Rick Bazette, one of my overseers, and his wife, and, and my wife, and I said something to Amanda that night at dinner, and Rick just looked at me in front of everyone, and he says, hey, bro. We don't talk to our wives that way. And it was embarrassing. And it hurt. And it was a wound, but he was absolutely right. And I needed to hear it. I needed to hear Christian men don't talk to their wives that way. We need some, some faithful friends to wound us from time to time because we got some blind spots. And then number four, here's my favorite part, potential. I don't know and you don't know. Only God knows. Because God is a God of potential. Meaning all that God has done is not all that God can do. So if you look at your life right now, everything you have done in your life is nothing to bear what you could do because God is a God of potential. There's more for you. Go all in. But the key to potential is it only happens in community. You will never know what you could be outside of community. Because it's in community that God releases potential in our life. Think about my hand. My hand has a whole bunch of potential right now. Watch this. Isn't that cool? Very impressive, huh? Like I got the potential to close my hand. I got the potential to give you a thumbs up. I can show you other fingers that I'm not going to do. Like my hand's got a whole bunch of potential right now. There's all sorts of things my hand can do right now. But the only reason it has potential is because it's connected to an arm and the arm is connected to the body. Without connection, there's no potential in my hand. Let me give you a horrible illustration to teach you the point. 
I got a six-year-old son. His hand is half the size of my hand. Half the size of my hand. If we cut his hand off at six years old, and we come back 10, late, 10 years later, his body's going to grow. He's probably going to be taller than me like my other son. He's going to grow in 10 years. But his hand's not going to grow. You come back 10 years later, you look at that hand, it's rotted, it's shriveled, it's nasty, it's ugly, it's decayed. The body's still growing, but the hand's not growing anymore because it's not connected. And God looks down from heaven and he sees all these body parts not connected. And we're not growing because we're not connected. And we need each other. Colossians 2, 19 says, The whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So it grows as a body. It grows as a body. You don't grow individually. You grow as a body. You grow in connection. You grow in relationship. You don't grow by yourself. You grow as a body. It grows as God causes it to grow. To tap into the potential of your life, we need each other. So let me give you something incredibly deep and profound. I know this may go over some of your heads right now. And you're going to be like, Pastor, you are so brilliant. But let me give you the all-in challenge. Here it is. I want you to be impressed with how brilliant I am. Get in a group. Pretty deep, huh? Get on a team. Get in a group. Get on a team. Everybody needs to be needed. Everybody needs to be known. Find a place where everybody knows your name. Find a team where you can serve and make a difference. And here's why. Let me, let me end with this. This is the heart of our church. We want to grow big because the world matters. We want to grow big as a church because the world matters. We know the bigger we get, the greater impact we can make around the world. The more churches we can build in India and Peru, the more, the more children we can rescue out of sex slavery. We know that the larger we get, the greater impact we have in the world. But at the very same time, we want to stay small because you matter. Your marriage matters to us. Your children matter to us. You matter to us. So how do we grow big and small at the same time? Connection. Small groups. It's the only way.